0: Well, it's been good to be in God's house. Enjoyed all the good singing, the fellowship, just uh, being together with God's people. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else on a Sunday or any other day of the week, as far as that matters. But uh, I do have a message this morning the Lord's been dealing with me on. Kind of goes with the song that Mary and I sing, and it's in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 14, if you have your copy of God's Word, if you please turn there. Matthew 14. And I'm we to look at verses... 22 through 33, Lord willing, this morning, Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33, and when you get there, if you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reading of God's word this morning? Matthew 14, starting with verse 22, and here the Bible says, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go see Jesus. But when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Please help us as we try to preach for just a few minutes, God, on this text. And may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, the events leading up to this portion of Scripture that we just read... Uh, It tells us about the time when Jesus uh, had heard about the heading of his cousin, John the Baptist, of course, and it was a very solemn time for the Lord, and uh, he was trying to get away from everything for a little while, get off on his own and pray. Have you ever been that way? I mean, there's times you just need to get away from everybody and everything, Uh, let all the cares and the hustle and bustle of the world and the workplace and uh, everything going on and just get away. I love to do that. Just get away. I always said I'd be just just fine. Somebody threw me out in the middle of the woods about 100 acres and no one else around and I just I'd be fine. But sometimes we need that. Things get hectic, things are happening. We need to break away and be alone with the Lord. Uh, this this world can weigh heavy on you. And we got all kinds of things. We've just heard testimonies this morning of those that didn't know if they was going to make it through uh, health issues and uh, all this COVID has come back. I hate it. Um, you know, we dealt with it for so long and thought, thought we was passed it, and now here it is back. And uh, they're even giving away the, the test again through the government. started uh, this month. Uh, and, you know, you always there's always something, it seems like, that's got to keep us troubled. Something that always has to keep us burdened. And so Jesus was trying to clear his mind, get away for a while, and have a little bit of peace and get one-on-one with the Father. And uh, that's what he set out to do. But at that time, there was a lot of people that was trying to get to him. I mean, his popularity was just unbelievable. The Bible tells us when all those people were out there around him, he looked out upon them and he had compassion upon them. And instead of turning the time that he needed for himself, he turned that time to those people. He spent time with them instead of being alone. And that's just like the Lord. He's always thinking of us. Always thinking of others. He doesn't focus upon himself. He's always caring. He's always loving. He's always compassionate. And despite us being the complete opposite of that, he still loves us so after teaching the multitudes there for a while it had gotten very late and jesus that's when he performed this great miracle of the feeding of the five thousand plus women and children the bible tells us of uh, the gospel of john tells us that because of that great miracle the people had put it in their home. they were going to install him as king <laughs> immediately that's that's what their intentions were and so he knew of, of that and uh, i mean think about it for for a minute all these things he had done, all the hope he'd given the people, how his disciples must have been saying, Yeah, it's time, you know, we're finally going to get to rule and reign, because I mean he's obviously king. Look at him. Let's just put him in, in there now. You know, Jesus kept saying, It's it's it isn't my time. It it isn't time. And so we had to always get away from that type of thing, and that's that's what he's had to do. Uh and so uh, that's where the story picks up this morning there in verse 22. He says it says in straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So Jesus knowing the intentions of the people and how their heart is set, he wants to first of all he wants to protect his disciples. So he separates them. The Bible says he constrained them. That means he immediately went there and prompted or almost forced them to get away from there uh, get away from all the hoopla and uh, straightway of course immediately he constrained them to get into a ship to go over to the other side let's just let's get away from this place for a while now most of the time that's what we need to do when the pressure's on when things have gotten out of control and instead of getting in the middle of it and trying to figure out a way out of it sometimes you just need to leave Sometimes you just need to get away and, and let things blow over. Too many times we want to face things head on and do it all in our own power. You don't come up with the idea right in the heat of the moment. And that's usually where we mess up. Uh, we need to, to let things settle and, and get away. Follow the Lord's example and get out of the way and let him work. Look at verse 23. It says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray And when the evening was come, he was there alone, finally. (laughs) Finally, he's there doing what he wanted to do in the first place, and that's just to get away and pray alone with the Father. What a blessed relief it must have been to him uh, to to be able to do this one-on-one. The Bible says in Matthew 6 and 6, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. I believe we need to remember that. We need alone time with the Lord. Uh you know, public prayer is fine as long as you're, you know, sincere about it. A lot of times public prayer is no more than getting further than this roof. Uh we want to try to sound, you know, um religious. Uh we want to be like the Pharisees that stood in the street corners with their you know, flowing gowns and the the large borders of their of their gowns and pray so that men could hear them. Oh, Father, you know, out there in the middle of everything, so people look at them. Well, that's what a lot of public prayer uh, can happen if you're not careful. We need to be sincere about it. But when we get one on one and we get into the closet with the Lord and pray alone with Him and just speak our heart. And and by the way, the Lord doesn't require us to have a bunch of uh, fancy words and and make up all these things that you think sounds poetic. He just wants you to talk to him. Uh, when my kids had a problem, I didn't want them to come to me and say, Oh, Father, would you please, if it be in your will and in your presence and your soul all that. I mean, look, we need to glorify God. But he wants to hear you. He wants to hear your heart. And he, you can speak to him just like you would your own father. Say, Lord, I don't know what to do here. God, I need your help. I just do my wits end. He understands that. He, he understands our problems and cares for us. He wants us to talk with him one-on-one. Look at verse 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Or if you say it like we said over in here in Corinth, uh, it's contrary. All right, Contrary. If you underline things in your Bible, underline that phrase, for the wind was contrary. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Contrary winds. Contrary winds. That word "contrary" there—it means the opposite in nature of uh, a different direction, perversely inclined to disagree or to do the opposite of what is expected or desired. Uh, we all know what that means. I've been called contrary sometimes. When I, you know, as a kid, boy, he's just contrary, isn't he? Uh, and look, it, it's doing the opposite of what you think ought to be done. And so they were not expecting these winds to come in. These were unexpected winds. Despite the fact that these disciples were professional fishermen, these winds that blew in that night were not something that they were, they were not your average winds. I mean, these were uh, out-of-control out of winds and unexpected. They're meteorologists. I don't know what his name might have been. Hezekiah, I don't know, Goldstein, maybe. Maybe he was the, the meteorologist for WJEW-TV. I don't know. But uh, he didn't have a forecast. They knew nothing about it. So I think we can safely assume this caught him off guard. Uh, usually you can look outside and look at the skies and know there's something coming. Bible doesn't mention any of that happening. It just says all of a sudden the winds become contrary. Uh, yesterday the winds were contrary out in Corrington. I don't know if they were here But uh, I went out there, and as soon as I opened the storm door, the thing flew open, and leaves were, I mean, I felt like I was in some kind of, I don't know, a wind tunnel. Uh, Leaves were flying, and, you know, I don't have a lot of hair right now, but if I did, it'd be flying back like this. Uh, But it was windy. It was contrary. It wasn't what I expected, and I thought, well, it's surely going to come a big one. Uh, Driving in this morning, looking out over the, the horizon of Knoxville, it was black. I mean, it looked. Scary looking. Uh, But I don't know if it rained or not. It didn't look like it. And so this just all of a sudden appeared out of nowhere. And they're also, they were 5 and 20 or 30 furlongs out from where they were. That's two and a half to three miles off the seashore. So it wasn't like they're just going to be able to, you know, let's roll back to the, the shore real quick. Look at verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Now, that fourth watch right there, that's between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock a.m. Uh, that's, that's what that is. Now, so put yourself on that ship. It's early in the morning, early morning hours. They've been awake all night. I don't know what they've been doing while they're on the boat. Were they dozing off and waiting for the Lord to tell them what to do? Were they spending a little time fishing because most of them were fishermen? I don't know, but uh, it's early in the early morning hours, and now they're in the middle of battling a storm. So it's dark, the winds are blowing, the waves are crashing, uh, they're probably worried the boat's going to capsize. Uh, so it's it's a mess on that boat. And this may help you. This helped me uh, several years ago. I, the Lord, I was speaking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I need your word to become real to me. I need to understand it on a level that I've not been able to, and the Lord just, he revealed to me what you need to do is put yourself in it. And so that's what I do a lot of times in Bible study. I try to imagine myself on this boat. I'm with the disciples, and I'm on that boat. I'm three miles out in the middle of the sea, and I'm in a storm. And so, so a lot of times I'll close my eyes, and I'll try to listen. I'm listening for the waves. We're coming across there. The, the rain probably beating down. The wind's blowing. You know, I hear all that in my head. I know you're laughing at me. It's okay. I don't care. And so I imagine myself, and I put myself in there, and then the next verse there, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went with them walking in the sea. So there I am fighting the winds and, and trying to help the other disciples, and suddenly look out across the sea. There's someone walking on the water. Now, if you think of it in that way, you can kind of understand their reaction. Uh, Verse 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. (laughs) Suddenly, and these fishermen, they're not little, they're not wimps, all right? They're not weaklings. Fishermen in that day, they didn't have a, a zebco, you know? They didn't cast out and reel it in like that. No, they had to be big nets. And so these were strong men. These men were muscular. They'd done this all their life. You, there were, I mean, they were rough and tough guys. And so you can imagine these big, burly fishermen guys out there in the middle of the thing. All of a sudden, they see something they think is a ghost. That's what that spirit meant. It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. It takes a lot to make a big, burly fisherman man cry out in fear. Hey, it takes a lot for a, a big, fat preacher man to cry out in fear, but I've done it a few times. I was driving to work one, one morning, early, early in the morning. Dark outside. It was like 6 o'clock. Had to be at Panasonic, I believe it's 7. I think that's when we started. And uh, I was going down Roberts Road, and it was dark as it could be. And I was in my little Nissan truck, and I was coming down through there. And all of a sudden, a bear was standing in the road. A bear, a black bear. And it scared me so much, I screamed. I screamed like a girl in that truck. Now, nobody got to hear me, but uh, it's the truth. And so it takes a lot for someone like these fishermen to all of a sudden cry out in fear. They are actually scared. They're scared to death. Verse 27. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Now, if you notice something peculiar right there, Jesus didn't give them his... His earthly name of Jesus. He didn't say, Hey, it's Jesus. Hey, hey, it's me. It's Jesus. No, he said, It is I. It is I. That is his eternal name. Who do men say that I am? Well, uh, he is the great I am. Over in John's gospel, we read this John 8 and 58. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. We also read in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And so Jesus is crying out to these men. He doesn't have to say, I am Jesus. He says, it's I. And he says to be not afraid. And I love that phrase, and I see it often in the Bible, be not afraid, many times, and it's coming from the lips of Jesus. That ought to tell us something. We also read of him saying things like, fear not. Fear not. This should go to show us that Jesus understands us. He knows our hearts. He knows our thinking. And he understands our fears. He knows that we're not immortal like he is. And we're only common flesh and bone and blood. And, you know, we're going to fear the unknown. Verse 28, the Bible says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Don't you love Peter? I mean, out of all the, the disciples, I got to say, I, I can identify with him more than any of them. I mean, I love them all, you know, James and John and, and all them. But, but Peter, when I, when I think of him, I can think of myself. But everybody else here in the boat is cowering down. They're, they're being little girls. They're back there, you know. Woo, there's a ghost. Peter jumps up and says, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee. You know, uh, a lot of people want to give Peter a hard time. You know, they say things like, you know, well, if he'd have been faithful, he would have understood that was the Lord. He wouldn't have had to question him and all that stuff. That's nonsense. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 1 through 2, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know you the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. There's nothing wrong with Peter wondering and wanting to be sure. So he says, Lord, if it is you, then uh, bid me to come over to you. He understood if it was actually Jesus, then he'd be able to do it. He'd be able to come over to him. Verse 29. And he said, come. And when Peter was come out down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. (laughs) What a picture that we have here of Jesus there bidding Peter to come. And isn't that his invitation all the time? Come, come unto me, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. That's what the Lord says. He says, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He says, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of God. Heaven, the Lord is always bidding for us to come. Peter steps out of the ship, he stands on top of a raging sea and begins walking on water. (laughs) I can't even imagine what that must have been like. Okay, so here's the boat. It's rocking and rolling all over the sea. All those other disciples were cowering down. You know, they're, they're all scared. And here's Peter standing out there, and suddenly he says, Well, it's important. And so he steps right out of the boat, and he's standing right on top of the water. Can you imagine what those guys right there cowering in the boat were thinking? <laughs> I can just see it now. Oh, John, he went, uh, James said, oh, What? I mean, Nathaniel, he's like, What in the world? And so they're all looking at Peter and he's out there on the water. I can just see Peter right there. Because he's focused on Jesus. Jesus said, come on. He's thinking about Jesus. He's looking at Jesus. He steps out on there with faith and he starts walking right toward him. No problem at all. How great that must have been. Wouldn't you love to have that on video? Hey, that'd been great. And so Peter steps out. And suddenly Peter is the hero. And I can just imagine what that must have been like. Look at verse 30. But, oh, oh boy. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you see the word but in there, sometimes it leads to a good thing, but sometimes it shows us something not so good. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. So all of a sudden, he, uh, the hero becomes a zero right within just a few seconds. Here the man of faith that sees Jesus out there and has enough faith to step out of a boat on top of a raging sea and start walking toward him suddenly, his eyes get averted. He takes them off Jesus, he's looking around. You know, and the winds, he's you know so the winds are just getting crazy. And so in his head, here's what happens. His faith in Jesus becomes smaller and smaller and smaller, and he starts thinking about his flesh. He starts thinking about Earthly things. He starts thinking, the winds, we know what that means. These waves are getting high. The sea is deep. What in the world am I doing standing out here? And he starts thinking. He starts thinking. Because simply, all he did was take his, his eyes off Jesus. And I'm telling you, friends, he not only took his eyes off of him, but he started looking at everything else around him. And see, that's one of our big problems. A lot of times we take our eyes off Jesus and we focus on everything going on around us. What's going on with my body? What's going on with the sickness I've got? What's going on with my family? What's going on with with my job situation? What's going on with that friend and that friend? And so we completely leave Jesus out of the picture. We quit looking to him and we start looking at all these circumstances around us. And what does it do? It starts miring us down. We start drowning in all the misery around us. And before you know it, you've went under. That's what's happened here. Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you I'm perfect. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. None of us are. If anybody tells you they are, then they're lying. (laughs) Peter walked with the Lord, was with him all the time for that whole three years. If anybody, we can say, had enough faith to walk on water, it would have been him. But you know, the devil loves to distract us. And he will find that thing that distracts you the most and he will keep you preoccupied with it. As long as your mind becomes preoccupied with everything else instead of the Lord, then you will never have the kind of faith that you need to have in the Lord. And the closer you get to the Lord, the harder the devil works to try to get you further away from him. Now, I'm not trying to give the devil any glory at all. I don't believe we ought to do that. But the Bible says in Ephesians 6 and 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So it's not just the devil as we think of Satan doing these things to us, but it's all these other distractions around us that keeps us preoccupied. Now look, there's nothing wrong with some of the things that we enjoy in life, like, like watching a movie or a television show or going to a sporting event. There's nothing basically wrong with those things. But while these things may not be bad things, they still will attract us and distract us from what we need to be doing, distract us from the Lord. There's people right now that didn't come to church today because of they probably too much happened at the ball game yesterday. Or they're ball game today, and they got to get involved in that. Or maybe it's the NASCAR race. That used to be one of my big problems. It's NASCAR. Now I couldn't care less about it. But uh, listen, these things that will draw us and distract us away from the Lord, and we take our eyes off of Him, and then before you know it, you find yourself sinking. Sinking. I noticed that Peter was distracted by a storm. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand in here, but how many of you right now are, are going through some kind of storm? If you're not in one now, you probably just came out of one, and if you've not just come out of one, you're about to hit one. It's one about to come. The contrary winds, they start blowing. And you know what always seems worse this time of year? When fall starts, all the way through the holiday seasons, you got next you got uh, what the kids are gonna have Halloween there at the end of the end of this month. <laughs> And then you got uh, Thanksgiving, you got Christmas, you got all these things, and, and family time's coming up, and it seems like a lot of the contrary winds are blowing during these times. Uh, in just 48 days, it's going to be December the 1st. 48 days. Christmas is, what, 70, about 70 days away now? Uh, look, look friends, uh, I personally have lost a lot of people in the month of December alone. My grandfather, Preacher Spencer, died in 72, uh, in December. My granny Spencer, she died in December of 92. My aunt Parley Hall, she died in December of 95. My sister, Pam, she died December 2002. And so December, when it rolls around, the natural thing that me and the rest of my family start doing is thinking, I wonder who's next. And we see a lot of the contrary winds start blowing. And it keeps you in some kind of turmoil, like you're always going through a storm. And they're worrisome. And so the thing about storms is they're completely out of your control. That black cloud that you see out there, you can't do anything about that. There's not a single thing you can do. And if it decides it's going to rain, it's going to rain. You can't stop it. And so these storms that hit us, most of them are completely out of our control, and we've we've got to we've got to face them, and we feel helpless in them. Uh, I used to pastor a little lady. Her name was Ella Mae Hare. Uh, she probably weighed uh, probably seventy pounds. Was probably four foot two, maybe. She is, she is a little bitty, tiny woman. She lived uh, up by my granny and uh, papaw, uh, Spencer, up on Edmondson Lane. But I was her pastor for a while before she passed away. And she would, she constantly stayed afraid of storms. And she would tell us, you know, if it looked like rain, if there's a cloud out, she's not going to be at church. Uh, She's going to be there at home, cowered down and praying. And it would scare her to death, literally, when a storm would come. I mean, she was in her 90s and still just uh, so afraid of a storm. She told me, she said, Pastor, When a storm comes, I feel completely helpless. And it was a real fear for her. Look, the storms of life sometimes will render us completely helpless. And it's like it's out of our control. We can't do anything about it. Peter, when he looked around, saw the winds were contrary. It was out of his control. He couldn't do a thing about it. And so what happened? Naturally, he started sinking. That's what happens when you walk on water. You'll sink. Try it today. Go out to Norris or Douglas or or whichever lake you like the best and step out on it. You're going to sink. That's what happens. But here the Lord enabled Peter to walk on that water because of the faith that he had in him. And as long as he had that faith and he was looking right at him and, and, and not thinking about anything else and trusting in him, he was able to walk on that water. When the contrary winds start blowing, the water rages, we become afraid and we start sinking in our misery. See, the big difference, though, that, that Peter had compared to the rest of the world is that Peter knew the one that he needed to call out to to save him. You see, the lost and dying world doesn't understand there's one out there they need to call out to in these times of storms in their life. Can you imagine facing the storms that you've had in your life and not having the Lord there with you? I've I've said this many times, what does the world do? What does the lost do when something like that happens in their life? What do they do? Well, we know they turn to drugs, they turn to alcohol, they turn to the world's means to try to get some comfort. Let's turn to a psychiatrist, a psychologist, some kind of doctor. What does the Christian do when he's going through a storm? We pray. We have faith in the Lord Jesus and we know he's there for us. And he's saying, come unto me, come unto me. Ye that are, that labor and are heavy laden. And what does he say? I will give you rest. So when these storms start raging, these contrary winds come up in our life, we need to remember the one that's there for us, who cares for us. And he's the one we need to turn to. So Peter, he had a little bit of faith at that time. You know, by the time, can you imagine if he's one of the Pharisees that was out there trying to do that and sinking? And Peter says, you know, Lord, save me! He knew exactly who to call out. And there was the Lord, and the Lord saved him. If it had been a Pharisee, he'd been saying, Our most gracious and loving and heavenly Father, as I stand here drowning in this sea, oh Lord, you know how good I've been, and I've not been like other... He'd done been drowned. Sometimes the prayer that the Lord needs to hear from us is just something short and sweet. Lord, help me. Save me. Lord, help me during this storm. That I've got going all around me. Look at verse 31 through 33. will be finished. And immediately. Jesus stretched forth his hand. And called him. And said unto him. O thou of little faith. Wherefore didst thou doubt. And when they were come into the ship. The wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship. Came and worshipped him. Saying of a truth. Thou art the son of God. This was not the first time the disciples had witnessed Jesus' power over the winds and over the sea. Uh, This had happened before. Uh, He rebuked them. Back in Matthew 8 and 27, the Bible says, But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? So they had witnessed this happen before. But indeed, what manner of man is Jesus? What manner of man is he? What ma- and it doesn't matter what you're going through, what the contrary winds are, what the storms are, what the distractions are, the things that you look out and you think there's nothing you can do about and you're helpless and hopeless and sinking and drowning. It doesn't matter what it is. We need to remember, Lord, save me. Lord, help me through this storm that I'm in. I want you to notice He did not stop the storm during all this mess. It wasn't until after they were back on the ship. Sometimes the storm we're going through, we have to endure the storm. We have to go through the physical pain, the spiritual pain, the mental pain, the things that's that's weighing us down. Sometimes we have to get through those, but we have the Lord with us, helping us through them. We rely upon His strong arm, on His strength. And so it doesn't mean the storm's suddenly just going to disappear for you. But you know the one that will take you through. And then when you get to the other side of that storm, there he is. You know, and this shows us what kind of faith we have. When we go through a trial, when we go through a storm, is our faith the kind that turns our back on the Lord and said, Lord, I'm so mad at you. I can't believe you're letting this happen to me and all this. Or are we saying, Lord, I don't understand it. But God, I just need your help to get through it. And when we come across to the other side, we'll know what we're made out of. Are we going to be like gold or are we going to get burned up? Look, all we need to do is be like Peter. Recognize that Jesus is there for us. He's waiting. He's bidding us to come to him. All he wants is us to call on his name. He will grab us by our hand. He will pick us up out of that miry clay or out of that deep sea that ocean that we're swimming in and friends he loves us he loves us and he'll do the same for us as he did for peter we just got to trust in him the bible said peter had little faith that's what the lord said verse 31 "O thou of little faith all it takes is a little but lord can make our faith great if we just rely upon him in these times let's all stand together i want to pray brother scott if you'll get a song and i don't know your heart right now i don't know what you're going through you may be going through the storm of your life but the lord is there for you i may not be able to calm the storm for you but i can pray for you if you need help today for anything whether it be for backslidden condition or lost or whatever the problem is that you need to take care of today the lord will help you if you just got to submit to him let's pray together heavenly father god we come to you this morning lord just casting ourselves down at your feet lord we can't do anything else lord we've preached your word we've preached the truth that you've given us god now we're, we're relying upon the holy spirit god to do the work lord to go in the hearts of men and women today lord those that need help Uh, Lord, you're, you're the one that knows. God, you and they know what the problem is. Lord, and if we'll just cast our cares on you, Lord, and call out your name and rely upon your great strength, God. Help us with it, Father. You know how weak we are. You know how little our faith becomes, God. But we're so thankful that you love us enough that you'll care for us and help us during these storms. Help us now, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.